look, there's nothing else other like running. You you can't hide from yourself in running and it teaches you to be consistent, determined, persistent. And that, like you said, that then enters into your day-to-day life. If you're going to get up at six, seven in the morning and go and run four, five, six miles, whatever, that takes determination, right? That's going to knock on into your day-to-day life. You're going to know that if you've got the mindset to be able to do that, you can do anything else. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to It's the Bearded Man podcast with your favorite, the world's favorite, bearded man, Bob Beck. Today on the podcast, special guest, he goes by the name of Luke Gledhill, one of the best runners out here in Los Angeles, California. Luke, welcome to the show. I feel like I've just been invited in to step into the ring, Bobby. (laughs) Um, First and foremost, mate, I want to thank you for reaching out and asking me to do this and for holding the space for this conversation we're about to have you know it feels a little odd as well because I'm normally on the other side I'm normally doing what you're doing Mm. talking and getting out of people what I want to hear from people so it feels good to be in your presence and and take this journey with you yeah Luke I want you to sit back and relax because I know the pressure when you're the host of, of a show or an interview and it's like it's almost, I try to describe to people, it's like a high because you have to be so present. You have to ignore the crowd. You need to ignore your phone. You need to ignore everything else in the past and the future. And all you can focus on is this moment. So I want you to just enjoy this hour. We're here for you today. And it's just <laughs> going to be such a fantastic conversation, man. I love it. I love it. It's something you just said, actually, Bobby. I've been running events. I'm sure we'll talk about this in a, in a moment, but I've been running events for three, four years, predominantly with Soho House in West Hollywood and downtown and in Malibu and their guest panel speaker events. So I'll be moderating, asking the questions, keeping the flow going. And like you said, there's a crowd of people watching, waiting for information to take in inspiration and be inspired. And it's kind of you're, you're like trying to traverse this, listening intently to what the guest speakers are saying back to you and and acknowledging that that the people watching want to something information themselves as well and it's like that fine balance of thinking ahead but staying in the moment of the conversation it's i love that you're kind mm. of like in that sort of so how do you i'm curious let's just let's just go right into it. how how do you stay present in those moments when it, there really is a lot of pressure, right? You have to, yeah. you have to listen to what you have to be very attentive. You have to listen to what people are saying. You have to process it. And then you have to either come back and dig deeper. You can pop to another subject. What is your intent or kind of, what are some of the kind of intentions that you set going into an event or into a public speaking when you know that all eyes are going to be on you and that, you know, you're as a moderator, you're running the show. Yeah, it's a difficult one, mate. Uh, I mean, it's it's exhilarating, it's thrilling, it's nervous, it's it's anxious. You know, it's all of those. But above and beyond that, the reason why, if if we're talking about culture or creative, that the reason why I started those events in the beginning was purely to come from a space of being able to pass on knowledge and information and inspiration and to empower people that are going to be there listening to the speakers so that that they can then go on and take that information and use that in their in their day-to-day life and that's always been the motivation for me for those events and obviously the events 
um, finished last, the in real life events finished last year. That then turned into what is now a close to 40 plus episode, which, which is a, has been a live broadcast video yet to launch as a podcast because I have all of those episodes in my back pocket. Um, and, and the, the narrative and the thread has, has always carried on through it. It's been, it's gone from multi guest speaker panel series events to now one-on-one conversations similar to what we're doing now. And the motivation has always been to have inspiring conversations with incredible people that have done and are doing amazing things so that anyone listening can pick up some advice or some motivation, something that can spark those thoughts and they can take that on and and better themselves in their life. But I mean, going back to the events, uh, I love doing in-person events. I love bringing people together. That's mm. something I've always enjoyed doing. It's, it's all about the community. And, and, th- and through the events, there was a community forming from that, um, whether it was from the guest speakers because they felt a part of what I was building or whether it was from the people that would come and listen. And, and, and that was really important as well. And so it was, it's kind of, I, don't, I guess I haven't really answered your question, but it was, it was really the, the main driver motivation was to provide people with, with helpful information and, and so that they can hear from people that are doing potentially something they want to be doing themselves. Yeah. You're providing the platform that people can learn from, can listen in on, can get motivated by, get inspired by. And at the same time, you're learning lessons and you're probably learning little gems along the way of interviewing these people, because that's, that's the best part about doing these, these podcasts, these interviews. I was just telling my roommate before we hopped on here, I said, People don't understand this. It's not about the number of plays. It's not about the number of followers. I get to have a genuine conversation with somebody for an hour where I get to ask them and pick their brain about anything that I want to talk about. Selfishly, it's like I get to ask you the questions I I, I want to ask you. But then at the same time, it's like I I, I feel okay doing it because I know I'm providing a service that this is going to be available to anybody out there that wants to tune in. So to me, yeah. it's always a win, win, win. It's a win for me. I get to have great conversations. So hopefully a win for the guests that get to speak their mind. And then thirdly, yeah. the person gets to listen in and hopefully learn something from it. Well, there's two things from that, right? I found at a period of time after moving to, to LA that I was starting to meet incredible people that are running amazing businesses or doing incredible things. And so that was the spark. I was thinking, well, if, if I'm blessed and able to meet these people, why don't I create a platform or space that I'm able to hold conversations with them so that other people that wouldn't necessarily get access to them could have access to them and listen to the gems that they could say. But then second from that is like you said, it's, it's the learning part. Mm. It's, it's giving access to people. It's, it's, it's creating that community from it. And, and it's, it's anyone that I've been to enough events myself and I get inspired from what I see and hear. So I just take that and, and put my twist on it and think, well, if they can do it, I'll do it and bring in incredible people and so that other people can learn. And, and it's exactly what you say. It doesn't matter if there's 100 people in the room or 1,000 people listen to a podcast. If one person takes or hears a piece of advice and implements that in their life that makes their life better, that, you know, job done, right? hundred percent. That's always the rocket fuel. That's how, you know, if, I always say that if one person listens and there's 
any value given to them, I'm doing my job. As long as I got one person tuning in, that's all that matters to me. And there was, me, go sorry, ahead. go ahead. No, please, please, please. please. I, I was going to say, let me give you a perfect example. Please. With Grand Running Club, we started doing the run challenges about two or three years ago. And we do them twice a year. Those run challenges would usually be run 75 miles in one month. And we kind of knew and had a feeling of the direction we wanted to do with it and why we wanted to do it. But some, per I think it was after the first or second one, two or three years ago, somebody reached out to us and said, do you know what? I never thought I could do that amount of miles in a month. I'm not a runner, but I got caught up in the hype. I was excited to see what could happen. And that he told us the story that he lost a lot of weight during that month. He lost uh, I forget how much it was, but he got in really good health, changed his mindset. His, at first, his family and friends couldn't understand why he was doing it to himself, why he was putting himself through that process. But at the end of the month and then moving forward, they could see the changes in him physically and mentally. And mm -hmm. so going back to that one person that you reach to, that has a ripple effect around them to his family, his network, his friends. You know, it's, that's, that's where the win is. One lesson I've learned through podcasting, I, I can't remember who I learned it from, but they said, uh, you never know who is watching you. And in that, in that same, you never know who's watching you. You don't know how it's going to impact them. And so just like that, it's, uh, it's amazing how, um, by doing the things that you want to do, or you want to put out there to the world, you have no idea how this 75 mile challenge is going to impact anybody. And then it helps somebody like that where it, it completely changes their, their life. It's the jump start, It's the kickstart. It's the fire under their ass that they have needed. And it took so many times to then finally this one moment where the emotions were right. They were mentally ready to change things up. You throw out this challenge. The Grand Running Club throws out this challenge. And then it's like, okay, this is what I need to do. And then it, it completely changes every, you know, this person's yeah. life, which is uh, it's just amazing. Yeah. I mean, you know, you come – uh, week in, week out and join us with the Grand Running Club. A better example than this is our good friend Brady Silverwood, who ran across America. I mean, he was sleeping on the couch of Taylor's offers uh, place. I think it was like two, two years ago or so, drinking a lot, out partying a lot, didn't really know where he was going with his life. Come down to L.A., partying a bit more. Taylor dragged him to run club, hung over. And he hated it. He didn't run. He'd never run before. He absolutely hated it. But then at the end, something clicked. And I kept connecting with him. I keep messaging him every week like I do. And he'd start coming more and more. And then eventually he was seeing a change in his life for the positive through mental, through physical. And then he just got further and further down the line. And then obviously the rest is history. He ran across America. He ran across Costa Rica. He's running across a country in, in Africa next month. You know, and, and that's a perfect example of how you don't like to, to put that into context. When Dee and I started the Grand Running Club three and a half years ago, we had no idea really, truly the impact that we would have with a community or with individual people. And we, we get shown week in, week out, month in, month out now of what, the run club means to people, not just in Los Angeles that are able to come and be a part of us, but nationwide, globally, people feel a part of, of this community that's bigger than anything we originally thought we could start, you know? Yeah. I mean, I can only speak from experience, Luke. 
I have talked about this running club on this podcast. I do, I do uh, two episodes a week. I do one with a guest and then I do one solo. And the solo one usually is me talking about areas of my life that I'm working on, whether it's dating, whether it's mental health, whether it's physical health, whether it's finances, whether it's building community. And I did a podcast back in October where I had said that it's, it's, I need to start building community in LA. And I've talked about the grand running club being a huge major step that this what there was, there have been many things along the way that I've had to do to start building community, meeting other great like-minded people. But the running club was one of the first. And uh, that was what made me so excited to want to reach out to you and have you on here today, because exactly what you're talking about, how these different stories of impacting people, you're sitting across from somebody that it, it genuinely impacted me. And I so much appreciate the energy that every single Saturday you show up I'm not there every Saturday, but every Saturday that I do show up, I know you're going to be there and you're always bringing in the energy. And uh, it's just amazing what you have put together with D and anybody else that, you know, behind the scenes makes the Grand Running Club what it is. But uh, that was why I was just so excited to talk with you today was because I I see you from afar. I've, you know, obviously I've looked into kind of your story and, and everything leading up to where you are today, but I just genuinely appreciated so much how much this running club has meant to me. And then, I just ran the, the most miles I've ever ran about three weeks ago. I ran 14 miles on a Saturday, Luke. Luke, I've never ran that far. And if I didn't say that the run club had some inspiration, I would be lying to you because just two, three months before, I think when you guys did the virtual and, and you guys were running a half marathon, I'm like, I'm not running a half marathon. Like no chance in hell. And sure enough, Three weekends ago, by myself on a Saturday, I went out there and I, I and I got out 14 miles. So honestly, I just wanted to say thank you because it yeah. has been a huge help to me uh, more than I think you would ever even realize. Yeah, I mean, respect to you, Bobby, for doing that. That that's what that's one of the main reasons that it inspires me um, with the Run Club community and and just that the larger community in general. You know, let me tell you one of the highlights. In the three and a half years we've had the, had the running club, it was 2019. I got together, I think there was about 15 of us, a group of 15 of us ran the LA Marathon. And Dee Murphy, he, he ran it with us. It was his first marathon. I think, in fact, nearly all of the 15, it was their first uh, marathon ever. And they were all from our run club. We all trained together. Um, one of the, I just want to say, one of the things about Grand Running Club is it's not about running. We don't pretend to be this kind of cool elite run club. It's it's not about that. It's about meeting people. It's about networking. It's about other things other than the running. The running is just kind of the bit that we do in the middle. You know, it's, <laughs> once once you've had once you've got the miles out of the way, it's like as if you've had a few drinks. Everyone's talking. <laughs> everyone's collaborating. You know, you know what it's like. Yeah. Um, so we all trained for the marathon and then on the marathon day, the journey to see everybody that trained for it and then run it. And we all ran it together and we finished afterwards. We had a party afterwards. That was one of the most incredible things and the bond that that brought between everybody that ran it that day. You know, those guys will remember that for the rest of their life. Mm. That's something that will we'll stay with me for the rest of my life. And I've, I've run races in the UK. I raced years ago in the UK before we moved here 
Um, I went through that whole thing about having to better your, your own time in a half marathon and a marathon. And you go, you, that essentially is your ego running. It's not about the freedom of running. It's not about the spirit of running. You're just kind of stuck in this mindset of con- consistently training to better yourself. And that time in 2019, when I ran that marathon with everybody else from the wrong club, that was better than any other race that I'd ever ran before. Mm. because it was just all about having fun it was just seeing the smiles on everyone's faces you know it's that was incredible yeah that's amazing i'm curious why you had mentioned earlier like and even um i think i was scrolling back on the instagram like maybe it was uh 2020 when you guys did the virtual i don't know if it was the fall virtual half marathon or actually it was the summertime that you had 500 runners across the globe sign up so this starts off as an la based run club but then scales where you have 500 people across the globe running a virtual half marathon on behalf of the grand running club. Why, why do you think that? Why, why did it grow like that outside of just LA? That's a great question, Bobby. It's something that we've been thinking about for a while. We've been doing the run challenges for a good few years. Like I mentioned before, D decided that he wanted us to run a half marathon on July 4th last year. And so we figured out what that would look like and then how obviously we couldn't have hold a, a race at that time, how we could connect with a larger community globally and make them feel like on race day, no matter where they were, even though they were running on their own, how we could make them feel like they were part of our community and make it a special day for them. So we figured that out and it snowballed really quickly. Like you said, we had 500 people, uh, over 500 people globally um, running that half marathon. We, We did the second one in December, just gone. And we opened up a 5K and a 10K and a half marathon for that. And again, it was over 600 people globally running that and we just think that if we're able to offer the best experience virtually it doesn't matter you you know look running races themselves are they're not enjoyable they're not fun and so we figured that if we can flip it on that on its head and and let me caveat to that you said 500 people for that first one i would say over 60% of those people that ran the first one had never run a half marathon before. Maybe it was even closer to 70%. And we saw the same again in December. And and that's what we want. We want to bring in people to run those virtual races that have never run a race before and give them the best experience so that they connect with us on a level that is above and beyond the running itself. Mm. But And and how much... you know, I, I feel like the reason you're seeing so much percentage of these people never run a half marathon is that I think it opens their mind to if I can train and do this, how can I train and do anything else in my life? I feel like it then tweaks the mindset of this was the one thing that somebody needed to light the fire under their ass, not just for their fitness lifestyle, but then for every everything else in their life. Because I sure as I remember when I got back after that Saturday running 14, I said, man, if I can do this, I can do anything that I I pull my mind exactly. to. And I told myself LA marathon 2021, if it, if it happens, I know it's gotten pushed, you know, it was originally put, it was March, then it, it was May and now it's pushed the fall. If it's happening, I'm doing it. I need to show myself that I can do this if I put my mind to it. So I feel like too, it's just such a mindset shift for people that they actually get out there and train themselves to do the half marathon. Yeah. I think that's the great thing about running itself, Bobby, is that it teaches you Look, there's nothing else other like running. You you can't hide from yourself in running and it teaches you to be consistent, determined, persistent. And that, like you said, that then 
enters into your day-to-day life. If you're going to get up at six, seven in the morning and go and run four, five, six miles, whatever, that takes determination, right? That's going to knock on into your day-to-day life. You, you're going to know that if you've got the mindset to be able to do that, you can do anything else. Like you just said, if you can run 14 miles, you can run 26 miles. It doesn't matter. You can do anything. Anything is possible. I, I don't have my notebook here, but it's written at the top of one of my lists of affirmations. Anything is possible. You can achieve anything you want. Mm. And and look, you know, I'm stood here living in America. We're from England. If I didn't have that mindset, if I didn't have that thought and belief, I wouldn't be stood here right now talking to you. Mm. You had your own challenges to get through to get to this to this point in your life. Yeah, I mean, everybody has challenges, right? Yeah. It comes down to the fact that whether you want to face those challenges and feel uncomfortable and be okay with feeling uncomfortable and push through it and grow in your life or whether you acknowledge the challenges and shy away Mm. and then you just become comfortable in whatever you're doing and you don't grow within your life. That's really what it comes down to. You sent you sent uh, a question to me the other day, and I had to send you a voice memo back. And I and I really loved the question, and I had to think about it for a second. And I want to flip the script back to you. What does running mean to you then? Wow, yeah, it's a good question, Bobby. What does running mean to me? Um, a lot of thoughts go through my mind right now. I, I would have to say, right at this moment, Bobby, running to me is all about community. Running to me is all about bringing people together that are unsure about certain things in their life and bringing them together through running enables them to see a possibility and a way forward with a brighter future for themselves. Yeah, that's good. I love it. I'm hooked. (laughs) I love it. I, I mean, look, so many people have, have come through our running club over the over the time we've had it. You know, before everything happened last year, the last run club we did in West Hollywood, we had, I think it was 70 people. Wow. 70 people running along Sunset. I mean, that's something to see. Pe- like people driving in cars would be beeping their horns as they're going past because you just don't see that normally. And so what I mean to say is I've seen so many people come through the run club and, and a lot have stayed. We have a real strong core community and, and you're one of them, part of our core community. And the people that I see come in and leave quickly, they're not there mentally. They're not ready. you know. Mm. And I see it in them. They kind of come through the run club because of what Dee has built with his businesses and, and what I've done in marketing and, and the knowledge I know. And they come looking for answers and they don't come with the right attitude and they kind of come in and leave quickly because they're not ready to to make that step forward to make that change you know and I see that not consistently but I see it time to time and what I really love seeing is the core community that do consistently come back regularly because I can I see the change I see the change happen in them yeah and you're you're getting to know them even more so on a human level than you know Obviously, when you show up for the first couple of times, it's like you hit, you're there to run, you're there to meet people. But the consistency of showing up is when I've built more genuine relationships because you get to see these people on a weekly basis. And then it, it, it's, not, it's not about what you do or how can I get something out of this person, which is so much the part of living in LA that you have to kind of rub up against is that it is a competitive city. Everyone is out here to, I don't want to say make a name for themselves, but it is a competitive city. And so I think if you are patient and you come with an open mind and you are a listener and 
you ask questions and you're not all about me, me, me. You eventually get what you need and want, but you don't need to jump on top of people to get it from them. And I and I feel like I'm I'm not a veteran uh, Grand Run Club member yet until I do the West Hollywood route because I've only been there for the Santa Monica route. So I, I just gotta you know I'm waiting to get to that 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 WeHo run so I can know that I'm officially part of the club. You know. Yeah, that's funny. We'll be <laughs> back there. We'll be back there. Yeah, I mean, it, look, you know, it, as you was talking, then I was thinking a lot of people. Um, place on me that I'm the running guy mm. and and it's weird and and it kind of I don't mind that so much like I mentioned earlier if, if I can use running as the conduit or the thing that brings people together and enables them to see a way forward to see a better way forward you know everyone look at the end of the day we're all human and, and humans really want acceptance right Everybody wants to be accepted. That's what most people, that's where the fears come from, not being accepted. And so if I'm able to build a strong community with D through the run club, through running, that brings in people together and there's no judgments, everyone feels accepted. I know that they'll go away that weekend or that week and they'll be inspired to do things that perhaps they wouldn't have done before. It's the ripple effect. It's the ripple effect. It's the mindset. It's the energy of people that, that kind of carries through and it, it rubs off on them. I'm, I'm curious for somebody that's listening that maybe has always been interested in running or even just wanting to get a, a more fitness lifestyle. Is there any advice you would give to somebody that is anxious, overwhelmed about taking that first step or you know, just thinking about running a mile is just blowing their mind when we're sitting here talking about half marathons and marathons? How do you, how do you get started? Great question, Bobby. You've just, got, you've just got to start. And I know that sounds ridiculous to say, but I'll tell you a little story. I think it was about 10, 11 years ago, um, our good friends were getting married in Bali, Indonesia. And it was in the winter time when we got the invite, my wife and I got the invite to go. And it was in the following April. And I wasn't in a good condition. I wasn't in, in good shape. I was, I wouldn't say I was overweight that much, but I definitely wasn't in shape. And I wasn't into fitness. I partied and was drinking a lot. I was DJing at the time, as well as running our fashion distribution business. And so I made the decision that if I want to go to Bali and be able to surf twice a day, I need to be at a certain fitness level. And it's hard to look in the mirror and accept that you're not in that shape. You're not in that place. It's a really difficult thing to do because there's so many peer pressures. There's so many pressures from outside of you. And I made the decision, no, I want to get fit so that when we go to Bali, I'll be able to surf twice a day and I'll feel good and I won't feel tired and, you know, I'll enjoy the trip. And so that winter, I just took a journey into fitness. I started going to the gym consistently. And then through the gym, there was like three, four, five times a week. Through going to the gym consistently, I started to run a lot in the gym on a treadmill. Then I started to read more about if I'm going to the gym this much and I'm really enjoying it and I'm starting to see a difference, maybe I need to look at the food I eat and see if I can benefit from changing that. Looking at my diet, changing my diet, right? Change my diet to benefit myself in the fitness wise so that I can work out or go to the gym or run more, right? So then the, the food, diet and fitness start to collide together and I'm reading more and I'm getting more into it. And then I start running more. By the time we get to go to Bali and in Indonesia, I saw people at that wedding that hadn't 
probably seen me all winter. And they thought I was a completely different person from the way I looked and everything, mindset, you know. And that for me was life-changing. And it changed my wife's life because it changed the way everything that she thought about things. And and it really set us on the path where we are now. So to go back to your question about somebody that's sat on a couch after a hard day's work, it's the last thing they want to do is run or, or, you know, even people say to me, well, if we come to the wrong club, I'm not a runner. Everyone's going to look at me and laugh. And, and it's not about that. You've got to take your own journey, your own path to fitness and well-being, whether it's physical and mental. And the best thing you can do is just set aside all of the demons and bullshit in your mind and just get out there and take that first step. Mm, first step's the hardest, but it's like dominoes. Once you do it for a couple of days, a couple of weeks, everything starts to pick up. And then just like you said, you start adding in the thinness and then you start to question like, well, why do I want to eat this pack of Oreos? I know this is not going to help me train stronger or, or help me, you know, get to that second mile or that third mile. Then it's just a whole mindset around everything that you're doing on a day-to-day basis. And it carries on through, but yeah, I think taking the first step is definitely the hardest. And uh, it's almost like envisioning who who you want to look like, how many miles you want to be able to run or what that, whatever that goal is, like closing your eyes and thinking about it. And then just keeping that in the back of your mind of like, this is what I'm working for. I can't see it today. I'm not going to see it after day 10, day 20, but I'll see a little bit of incremental progress when I can run farther than a mile. I can run farther than two miles. And then slowly but surely, like anything else, time catches up. Six months goes by, a year goes by, and you're like, like, damn, I'm actually seeing the results that I wanted to see. And then it's then it's like game over because you just know it's it's off to the races at that point. Exactly. Exactly. And, and you can you can say that about anything in life, right? Yeah. It's not just your health, your fitness, it's business goals, it's anything. It it's so many people give up on things really quickly and really early because they're not seeing those results, like you mentioned. You'll only see very small incremental results. And you might not even see them yourself, but what it does take is for somebody else to see it. In you mm. and then that can spark the, the, the passion to carry on mm. yeah absolutely look you you have 20 plus years in brand marketing design production retail it's pretty impressive i gotta say my friend <laughs> pretty impressive what do you love most about what you do i love storytelling bobby i've always loved storytelling communications and storytelling i mentioned before my wife and i ran a fashion distribution business in the uk for i think it was 12 or 13 years prior to that i was in sales um sales and marketing for for a big surfing company prior to that i was in retail so yes yeah, it's been a long time in in fashion um, and marketing. What do I love? What do I love about what I do? I just love being able to holistically take an overview of any brand, company, or person, and seeing the disconnect of what they're not how they're not communicating to their end customer or citizen. I like to call customers citizens, right? Because we we all have rights and we all vote with our dollars. I just think that I I really get excited by seeing a brand or company that is doing it right. And and what I really love doing is, is talking and working with people, brands or companies and being able to help them get it right, being able to put them on the right path of consistent communication in the right way. That's That's telling a story and a narrative of why they do what they do, what the brand or product is, what the product will provide you, what the service will provide you. How, how difficult is it in 2021 to do 
that though, to tell the story of the brand when you have all these different platforms? Are our brands supposed to be writing blogs? Are they supposed to be doing podcasts? Are they supposed to be on Clubhouse? Are they supposed to be on TikTok? How how does a brand know where it's supposed to go so that it can effectively tell that story instead of spreading itself thin? I mean, in the big picture, right? You want to have a uh, hundred person a team for TikTok, a hundred person team for podcasts. But in reality, that's not that's not the truth or the story for a lot of brands, especially I know the story very well with Liquid IV and this was built from the ground up. So how how do brands effectively tell that story, especially in those early stages in 2021 where there's just so many mediums to tell it? Yeah, that's a really good question, Bobby. One word that stuck in my mind the whole way through you talking as it then is authenticity. Mm. Right now, there's, you know, and that always has been, not, not just right now, there's only opinions in any marketplace, right? No matter what industry, there are only opinions. If you have a strong and authentic voice about the reason why you started the company or the brand or why you, you created that first product, if you're completely transparent and authentic for those reasons, you will connect emotionally with your end citizen, your end customer. It's just natural. That happens. That's organic, right? With regards to platforms, I mean, we couldn't be in a better time right now because there's so many platforms available to any brand or company to utilize in a way that you can get your voice across, you can get your communication across as the brand or product to your end customer, your end citizen. You know, we've never had a better time. But what we see in the marketplace, what we see with brands, Bobby, very clearly is that what you just said, you named out all of these platforms and what brands do, what their shortfall is, is they try to jump on all of them at the same time. And then what happens is your voice gets lost. The authenticity isn't there. You're trying to cater to too many people at the same time, whether it's an event on Clubhouse or whether you're trying to do something on TikTok or Instagram, like, uh, where do we even start? And and that's what we're saying is it's a great time to be in with all these platforms, but it's also a bad time because there are so many platforms. You don't know brands and companies sometimes don't necessarily know where to look, where to go first. And I think that, look, a question that sticks in my mind was from a guest panel event, a cultural creative event that I did, I think it was two years ago. At the end of the conversation, somebody in the audience said, look, I started a brand two years ago. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. Something's not connecting. I don't know what platform I should be using. I'm just lost. I'm lost. And we had a great panel at that time. They all gave their answers. And I just said, closing it out, I said, look, you have to go back and think about the very first thought you had, the original idea, what was that? And why did you have that thought? And what what was it that you thought you could change in the world or fulfill in the world that you saw missing? And I could see in her eyes that she hadn't she'd forgotten about that. She hadn't thought or connected with that for a while. And look, Bobby, a lot of brands and companies lose their way and they lose their way really quickly. And I see it with bigger companies. They grow so fast, they lose their way and, and, and they forget who their customer is or who their original audience was in the first place. Mm. I think what you just said, authenticity and why. Long as you keep core to that, everything else will fall into place. Uh, 
You know, it's, it's so funny that you say that because on a podcast I recorded yesterday, it, it was the solo one that I put out every week comes up tomorrow. And I, I talk about on the podcast. It's like, why am I, st- why am I recording this episode? Because I'm still creating for the person that was 22 years young, that graduated college, that didn't know what he wanted to do with after with his life. So he started a podcast and he started interviewing passionate people that had found their thing. I said, I'm still creating for the younger version of myself. That's why I still do it. And I think uh, as long as you stay authentic to you, whether you're building a brand or you are uh, a a person communicating to the world, a job you're looking for, authenticity is forever going to take you to the places that you want to be. And uh, it's, I don't know if it's not because I'm a people's person, but I can read it and I can see it when I see something isn't authentic and it makes me cringe because I'm like, this is so short term. And in the long term, this is not going to benefit this person or this brand or this opportunity. And uh I think if you can remind yourself of the why and the and the authenticity, I think you're you're golden. Yeah, look, we're citizens. We're not stupid collectively, right? Yeah, we can understand. And, and I'll give you a perfect example. So I host a community called the Twenty First Club that brings together. It's like a think tank. It brings together people that do good and give back through social, spiritual, and environmental initiatives. Right? There's incredible people that have brands, nonprofits just doing amazing things. And one of the things that that gets to me is, especially in fashion, because sustainability in fashion comes up a lot, is that a lot of the greenwashing that big brands and companies are doing in the marketplace right now. We as citizens, we're not daft, right? We can see straight through what, what whether it's a H&M or whoever out there is trying to do with greenwashing. There's only so much you can do by throwing money at things, right? Eventually, People realize it's not authentic. They, they will see, people will see, we will see and understand that you're not coming from a place that has our best interests at heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. It's absolutely true. Um, I saw that you had worked with Sacconi, which I love. I saw that was a previous co- uh, company you'd work for. Uh, love their shoes. Those by far my favorite running shoes, the Endorphin Pros. Highly recommend anybody out there. I'm not sponsored. This is no endorsement, but I tr- but genuinely you, believe in it. You're from Boston though, right? I am from, I'm from Western Massachusetts. Uh, and I, an hour and a half West and that I lived in Boston for some years. That's, so. a, that's, that's close enough to them there. Is that there. their headquarters out there, Sacconi? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I got a oh, Sacconi. I'm coming for you. Give me a couple of years. We're doing my own personal shoe. Rem- <laughs> just watch. Luke. I'm okay. gonna cut this clip in a couple of years. Love it. Bearded man shoes are coming out. But uh, love it. You, you, you've worked with Sacconi, Menlo Club. You've done stuff with Shopify, Stitch Tailoring. How how do you make sure that people are happy with the services that you deliver? Is there is there a key ingredient? That's a great question, Bobby. Um, I I try to be authentic in myself. Like I mentioned before, well, I think one of the unique skill sets that I have is that I'm able to, I did mention this before, I'm able to take a holistic look at a business or a company and see where, where they're winning and see where they're losing and see what they're missing. And I'm then able to have a vision and foresight and to be able to actually see in my mind's eye <clears throat> what can be done, what can be implemented that can plug in either the gaps that they're missing or take them to that next step moving forward. And then it's all about relationships, right? It's about relationships on the client side, on the, on the agency side, whatever you're doing. It's, 
It's just about building those relationships and making sure that the citizens, the end customer is understanding what the brand or product or company is trying to communicate with them. Mm. Um, and then it's and, and then what I really love is is consistently evolving. It's the change. You know, I, I love that friction of that feeling of I don't like this, the way it's moving because it's changing. But when you go with it, that's when the real results happen. Mm. And you learn something along the way while you're doing it. Exactly. Is, yeah. there, is there a specific mistake that you might've made in your career that you're most grateful for? Wow. I mean, that's a great question. Look, we ran the fashion distribution business for, like I said, it was 12, 13 years. We had a great time during that time. And and over that time, we had brands from Canada, New Zealand, America, Australia, and we had Europe, the whole of Europe for a couple of the brands. Um, they were great years. <clears throat> the business never ended probably the way I would have loved to have seen it. Distribution's a hard game to be in, especially in the fashion industry. But I would never change that time, those years that we ran that. I would never change that, even though it wasn't, it didn't end as successfully as I would have loved it to have happened. What that, what that time enabled me to, to take and learn from has really landed me where I am now. It, it enabled me to have a complete insight to how brands work from logistics, production, distribution, marketing, retail, like everything. And how and and to be able to see how each different brand did things in a different way. And I think that really enabled me to now go into bigger companies and be able to to have the confidence and know what I can do and to know what they're not doing. Because mm. you can pull from all that experience, even though there's probably areas of the of the business that you might have not enjoyed as much as the other parts, you were able to get in there, get your hands dirty, understand it so that fast forward, you can now speak to any client uh, and you can either, even though you might not be the, the most expert of that specific area, but you have previous experience that can help you speak to them on a level that maybe the next guy or gal couldn't do so just as much yeah, as you can. Exactly. And there was something you mentioned before, perfect example. One of the brands that we used to distribute, um, my wife and I were actually talking about this yesterday. They, they've been going for, um, it's got to be 18, 19 years, which is a long time in fashion. You know, a lot of brands don't make it past four or five years. I can remember having conversations. We would travel to Vancouver for sales meetings with them, distributor sales meetings. I can remember having conversations with the founders, with giving them my ideas of how we could further grow in, in the UK and Europe. And them coming back and not agreeing necessarily with that direction. And I, I remember at the time thinking, well, I believe this is the right thing. But then I wasn't being respectful of them for their brand and their vision for the brand. And, you know, we're still super close with the, with the co-founders now. Um, and I, I speak with them every month, every couple of months. And to see them go from what they were to where they are now, mm is just incredible. It's super inspiring because also along that way, Bobby, we, we dealt and distributed with brands that came and went, you know, within two or three years or four year cycles. And to see brands that have that long-term vision, that long-term goal, like you said, and to see them last, even through all of the shit of last year, that's really inspiring. Mm, not easy to do. 
not easy to do, but I think uh, as long as you have that long-term vision, you, you're able to adjust to, I had a great quote from uh, Barack Obama. I'm reading his book right now. And uh, he talks about how uh, when he was early on in his campaign and running, he didn't allow the daily highs or lows to really impact him too much because he continuously reminded himself of where he was trying to go. And it, so it helps when you get those really high highs, but it also really helps when you get those low lows as you go, still remember, this is exactly, this is where I'm headed. Yeah, yeah. Um, what is there a certain skill that you've mastered that has been helpful in business life and in general? Anything specific? I'm not going to give you a specific skill, but what I am going to say is when I started to meditate, mm. I think this was probably, yeah, there you go. Fist bump. I'm, 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 I'm in it, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all yeah. for it. All for it. Please go ahead. Um, this was probably, it has to be over 10 years ago around that. That really changed a lot for me. Um, look, everybody struggles with, with some sort of mental issue. Um, everybody has that inner monkey mind that's telling you, you can't do this. You're not good enough to do that. Why would you even think that you could do that? You know, everyone, everyone, a lot of people think they're unique to them, but a lot of everyone goes through the same thing. When I started meditating, what that showed me and what that allowed me to do with my life was it provided space. It just gave me that extra space in between, um, those, dysfunctional thoughts, if you want to call it that. It gave me the time and the space to to be able to understand life differently um, and to be respectful of, of people in a different way that, you know, it's very difficult to have, it's very difficult to to go through life and, and just in a way that everyone's going through their own journey, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I think what meditation really provided me, what helped me mentally, physically with business, but I think what it really has helped me with is, is to know that I'm good enough. I'm okay in what I do. And I don't have to worry about anything else. As long as I'm focused on myself and what I'm capable of doing myself, what I can achieve myself. I don't have to worry about anybody else, what they're doing. I don't have to worry how many followers they have, how much money they're earning. I just need to be focused on myself. And I think that's what meditation has provided me. So I hope that answers your question. Oh, that's beautiful. I, I, as soon as you, as you know, you said, oh, I'm not going to give you a skill. I'm like, what's he going to give me? And you said meditation and my heart rate kicked up, baby. I, I'm a, I'm a huge advocate for it. Um, it has been a game changer in my life for the last four or five years. And uh, I think the, in the simplest way to describe how much it's helped me is that I've gotten much better at not attaching myself to the thoughts in my head, whether it being too good and driving my ego or whether it being bad and making me feel pessimistic or negative about myself. I've learned to just dial myself back and go, this is just a thought. Let it come and go. I know who I am at my core and uh, being more mindful about the thoughts that come to my head about other people or judging other people or being envious. I just, I go slow down. So I am, you're speaking my language, Luke. Big, big, big meditator guy. Um, Selfish question. If you were sitting across the 27 year young version of yourself, what advice would you give to him? Wow. At 27, that was when I got let me think yeah that was when i got married i check with my wife she's over there <laughs> i think that was when i got married it was either i don't want to do the numbers and get this wrong she can hear me i would say um do you know what bobby i in my time living in la 
and I would say you're, you, you fit into this. I've met some incredibly smart, intelligent young people, guys and girls, and that's really blown my mind. And I'm not sure whether that's because of what I'm putting out there in the universe. Um, I love helping people, right? I've always loved helping people. And it inspires me to be able to help a younger generation just through what I've learned and what I know. And what, what is really cool is that I've met some incredible young people that when I was, you asked me when I was 27, I've met people in their early 20s, mid 20s that are way, way far ahead mentally or in business than what I was at 27. I'm not saying that I didn't have a great time in, in my 20s, but I think to answer your question, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to change anything. I don't have any regrets, but that's a really good question, Bobby. You've got me on that one. Uh, if I got you stuff, we can, we can keep it moving. And also, let me just rephrase this and make sure that maybe you're, you're thinking from a different angle. I'm not saying that um, I don't want you to look back on your life and change anything, but is there anything, because I'm 27 years young, is there any specific gem or takeaway that you know now that may, not saying that uh, you I'll wish- tell you what yeah I'll tell you what I've gone on quite a spiritual journey in the last two or three years hmm. I would say to my 27 year old self it's not all hippy dippy shit forget the stigmas attached to it just start looking and reading a bit more into that stuff whether it's meditation whether it's breath work whether it's affirmations whether it's crystals you know whatever just open your mind up to more things hmm that's good. Be more open-minded. Right. Oh, that's good. Um, what's an area of your life you need to put more effort into today? Um, probably myself. Yeah. I think that's, that's a consistent ongoing thing that um, I, I need to need to say no more. And I need to figure out more things for myself and not feel guilty when it comes to the weekend that I'm not looking at my phone uh, or, or answering a text immediately, or, you know, if there's something that I want to do, fuck it, just do it. You know, mm. I think I, yeah, it's probably that. Mm. I'm challenging you. That's gotta, that's gotta start tomorrow okay. morning when you wake up, it's all about you. I, I'm a big, I'm a big believer in that where I, I strongly believe that we have to learn how to say no in order to make more space for us to grow. And, uh, it's never easy to do, but uh, it creates more space for more opportunities that you definitely want to say yes to. And then, so by the time you do say yes to these other opportunities, you're not burnt out and you don't feel like you're constantly running and doing this. And then Saturday and Sunday, you're doing all this. So I, I I'm a big believer of that. And I, and I preach that heavily too. Let me tell you something that I started doing for as long as I can remember, this is really weird in the late part of the day, in the early evening, or even at night, I would feel so inspired and have all of these thoughts and ideas to do the following day. And then the next day when I get up, life just happens at you. And I would never get around to doing those necessarily. But what I, what I started to implement more is leaving my phone on airplane mode. I turn, generally, I would turn my phone off at around 9.30, 10 at night anyway. And it would be in airplane mode. So the next morning when I turn my phone on or I plug my phone in to charge it, life doesn't come at me through my phone. And so what I've been able to do is leave it a little bit later, a little bit later every morning. So then I've got a couple of, if I get up at 6, 6.30, I've got a couple of hours to myself mentally and physically without the world entering my, you know, my life and my time. 
Mm. Um, I think that's really important. So important. First three hours of my day, you're not, you're not, you're not getting a text back from me, an email back from me, a DM back from me. I'll post usually when I run in the morning, I'll put my mileage up there because similarly talking about, you know, the grand running club, not knowing how it's going to impact other people. I do that. I share my, my day-to-day grind, my lifestyle, uh, me running my morning miles. Cause I want to push that energy out there. Uh, but I don't respond to anybody and just creating that first three hours of space so that by the time I do respond to people, I'm, I've given myself time to work out, meditate, journal, eat a good breakfast, listen to some podcasts, get inspired for the day. And uh, I'm a big believer in that too, where you, you have to, my philosophy is you win the morning and you win the day. And it's not about what time you wake up. It's about spending the first 60, 90, 120 minutes just on you, focusing on the things that matter most to you. And it sets you up for the day so that you can, you know, carry the momentum through the rest of the day. So I'm a, I'm a big believer in that for you. Yeah. Um, Let me just finish that. What you just said, Bobby, more often than not, we don't give ourselves permission to acknowledge the things that we actually do for ourselves. Right. Cause we're so caught up in, in whether it's somebody else's life or, or making somebody else happy or getting this done or getting that done, whether it's work, business, whatever. I just think that, and, and that time you said in the morning, and especially through meditation, it gives us the opportunity to acknowledge that we can do these things for ourselves or we can respect and love ourselves. That's so important. Yeah. It's one of the biggest game changers that I've ever implemented into my life. And there's nothing that will cut into that, that morning routine other than a text from my mom, my dad, or my sister. If I see when I wake up, got to hit them back, but I do a quick skim. As long as there's no fires and there's no emergencies, I'm off the grid for a couple hours and, uh, it's, it sets me up for the day. Uh, last question before we kind of wrap up this podcast I have for you on the days that full circle it back to running on the days that you don't feel like running when you wake up in the morning and you're just not feeling it. And maybe it's a mood or you just, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I got the miles in me today. How do you get yourself up? What do you remind yourself of? What do you tell yourself to get up and put those shoes on? Yeah, that's a great question. I wish I had an incredible story or answer for that. I mean, look, first and foremost, you have to say that <clears throat> I'm grateful to wake up. I'm grateful to be alive. I'm grateful to have the opportunity to be able to get outside and go running. And that's really easy to forget. Okay. And I'll tell you the reason why. So we finished the run challenge at the end of January. I finished on a hundred miles. The last week of January, I had this really weird injury come up on my left ribs, which I've never had before. What I realized was I was running and surfing in the same morning back to back for a few weeks in a row. And I think this kind of weird injury came up from that. I haven't ran since the 31st of January and it's been tearing me up mentally. But what it's allowed me to realize is that you can never take running for granted. You can never take your fitness or health or well-being for granted. And it's really easy to forget that. And so to go back to your question, if I didn't get up and go running, it's disrespectful to myself. It's disrespectful to somebody else that can't. And I always know that that I've been running for long enough that I know you never have a bad run. Mm. You never have a bad run, even though you don't want to go out. Like your mind is trying to find every single excuse in the book to stop you going. But once you've come back, shit, it's game on. The days (laughs) for the taking, right? Yeah. I love that. 
can't, you can't, uh, you know, there's people, that's what I do. When I wake up in the morning, I put my two feet on the ground. I look at myself in this mirror and I say, be grateful to be alive. Be grateful to have this house, be grateful to have my health. And I list, I say it out loud, just like 10 things as fast as I can. And then that sets me in the mindset of go, you damn right. I'm going to get up and, and put in that work. And uh, even a fitness guy that I, I, I watch on YouTube named Nick Bear uh, yesterday talked about when you're in that, that pain spot, when you're just like ready to give up, be grateful for that pain because there's other people out there that can't get to that level. So keep to keep pushing for it. Exactly. So I, exactly. I love that. Um, to, to wrap this podcast up, uh, I always allow the guests, if anybody has made it this far in the podcast, I want you to put a challenge out there for anyone that's listening still. How, what is something that you challenge them to do? Uh, it could be anything, just something that's that it. after listening to this podcast, you know, sometimes we need that one, one thing to, to do after hearing the podcast. Yeah. What's one challenge you have for the listeners today? Yeah, I love that, Bobby. Uh, the obvious go-to would, would be to go running, but I'm not going to say that. What I would say is one of two things, give meditation a try. You're not going to see results in the first week. You're not going to see results in the first month, but you will start to notice it eventually. Just give it a try. It's really easy. There's enough apps out there that will, will do guided meditations for you. Give that a try. The second thing would be is to write down goals, small and large goals, write them down and then contemplate them for five minutes each day. There's a guy, a Canadian guy called John Kehoe. My wife and I have done his Mind Power course um, for a while now. And he talks a lot about how the mind works and how if you contemplate on goals or affirmations or specific things, and you contemplate them enough, your subconscious mind takes in that information. And, and unbeknownst to you, you start to know that you can do these or you're capable of these things. And shit change re changes really quickly fast in your life just by doing those things. Mm. So either meditate or write that or and write down some goals and then just contemplate them over in your mind for five minutes each day. Oh, that's good. It's something easy that everybody can do. Exactly. Uh, Luke, where can people find you on social media, on Instagram? I know you're on IG and so is Graham Running Club. What, what are the actual handles? Yeah, uh, we were just talking before we started this. So my Instagram is Luke Dax Gledhill, L-U-K-E-D-A-X-G-L-E-D-H-I-L-L. -L -L. But I haven't been on Instagram for since November. Um, cool. There's some fun stuff on there from when I was DJing last year and a lot of run stuff on there if people want to go in and check that out. Um, at Grand Running Club, anyone can be a part of our community digitally, virtually. Just tag us, come and check out our community online. Um, grandrunningclub.com. My brand communications agency is justuptheroad.net. Uh, I think that covers it. Coach Your Creative is available on connect.tv. That's K-N-E-K-T.tv. Mm. All those episodes are on there and the podcast will be coming very soon. I love that. I will have all of these links uh, linked up in the show description. So please, uh, if you guys and gals want to check anything out Luke related, it'll all be linked up below. But more importantly, if you enjoy the podcast, make sure you screenshot this episode, post it to your IG story and tag Luke and myself and Graham Running Club because uh, those are the three easiest IGs. And let us know what the biggest takeaway was or what you thought of the podcast. Luke, thank you so much for taking the time to be on this podcast. It has been an absolute pleasure. And uh, 
like I said earlier, I am so much appreciative of what Grand Running Club has brought into my life. And, uh, you know, I just, I respect what you do and, uh, it's, it's been an honor to get to know you and I thank you for taking the time today. It's been absolute pleasure. Bobby, thank you. I love you, mate. Everything you do is incredible. Keep doing what you're doing. Your energy is inspiring. Guess what, Luke? Party's just getting started. Foot is on the gas, brother. Not stopping anytime soon. Let's go. Let's go. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the Beard Man Podcast. See ya.